Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Please Stop, the podcast. This is Katie. This is Chaz. And before we dive in this week, we just wanted to take a minute to address some of the feedback that we got on our last episode, um, specifically feedback about me and the way that I was coming across in the episode. First off, like, just want to apologize to all of our listeners and also to Chaz that I was coming across really negative. I definitely didn't sound like my usual self and that was not intentional, but it is a reality of being human sometimes. Sometimes you are having a really tough week or a tough time, a tough season of your life, and it does come out in ways that you don't intend it to. And it is human to you know, make mistakes. And once in a while, it comes out on your friends in a way that you genuinely don't want and don't mean. Um, And so I wanted to take a minute and just say to all of you, you know, I can't apologize for being human, but I do apologize for upsetting anyone and any hurt feelings. And I am happy to say that Chaz and I have talked through everything. We are able to communicate really openly with one another, even if we, you know, don't always see eye to eye on things. And, you know, even if it's hard to communicate openly, that's part of being friends and it's part of being best friends. And also part of being best friends is forgiving one another and allowing us the space to be human if we need that and moving forward and not taking things personally and being able to express hurt or disappointment and also so much love at the same time. And so I am lucky to call Chaz my best friend and I love her to death. I love her to the ends of the earth. Do you have anything to add? (laughs) I love you too. And you know, Katie and I love our playful banter. We always give each other shit. We're assholes to each other in this sisterly way. And that's why our friendship's so resilient because we don't walk on eggshells around each other and we never will. And she listened back to the episode and, you know, she thought, wow, I think I might have been a little harsh. And I was like, yes, my feelings were hurt. And we talked it out like adults. We're human. And it was a good way for me to practice what I preach for someone I love, like, I saw beyond, you know, a bad attitude or anything like that. And I saw like, okay, I know Katie loves me. I know she's not a malicious person. I know she cares about me deeply. And I know she feels bad for hurting my feelings or coming across in a way she didn't really mean to. So I was able to approach her in a loving way and compassionately just ask her what's really going on behind the scenes. And Katie's like a very tough person to crack. (laughs) She's very private, even with the closest people in her life, even me, because she opens up to people and is vulnerable and then she can get shit on for it. And I don't blame her for being jaded, but it took a lot of very emotional conversations, many emotional conversations to finally get to the root of what was really going on with her. And I always appreciate when she opens up to me. I'm very persistent with getting her too. And I'm always happy when I do. And I know she's annoyed in the beginning when I try to make her, but she's always relieved when she does. So we're closer for it. We love each other very much. We're the most resilient friends. And this is the key to a healthy friendship. To not brush things under the rug or quote unquote, get over them or move on. Like no matter how little or how big something is bothering you, if it's your best friend who's the source of it, confront them. Maybe the first time they'll be defensive, maybe the second, third, millionth time. (laughs) 
But if you, when you really love each other, you can't just glaze over issues, no matter how small or big they may be. And we're really good at doing this. We're really good at not bullshitting one another, and we're really good at communicating with each other. Sometimes it's easier than other times. But I love Katie. She's one of the strongest people I know. And she is going through a really tough time. And that's no one's business but hers. But she's doing her best, as we all are. And I see her for the amazing human she is, no matter how grumpy she may be sometimes. So, <laughs> Thanks, Jazz. And also, you know, to allow space for that publicly, since we do have a podcast that is like open to the public, show that it's not always flowers and roses and rainbows. Like right. friendships are no less important and no less meaningful just because you have a disagreement. And I think so many people are really quick to just drop their friends or drop someone that they genuinely care about just because you don't see eye to eye on something. Or even if you're having a prolonged disagreement, like there are ways through it and there are ways to continue to love each other, continue to support one another through it. And I think we're a really healthy example of that. Like people have disagreements and that doesn't mean that friendships need to end. You know, if you care about each other, you work through it. That's relationships. Yeah. And you don't, you can't let issues snowball. You can't just say it's not that big of a deal, let it slide because eventually it will become a big deal. You can't glaze over almost anything that bothers you. You should just feel comfortable enough with each other. I know I see so many people in relationships that are romantic and platonic that don't want to rock the boat or come across as dramatic, but we forget that communication involves Positive and negative. It takes many forms. So actively listen, actively communicate respectfully. We've been friends a long time and it's like a very healthy but normal friendship. It's not a fake fairy tale friendship by any means. Like we are very sisterly, but in a very healthy way, like a, in a very family counseling way. <laughs> If you don't have a future therapist as a best friend, um, maybe work on getting one because it does make that. Yeah, maybe get one. It makes it easier. <laughs> Thank you. It's good practice. Logging my field hours with our fights. <laughs> Are you going to write those down as hours? You should, honestly. Honestly, I got more experience during that fight than I did at my internship. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, so on to other news. On to the episode. Please stop. Where do you want to even start? We've got we've got a TikTok fight to go through. Oh my god. We've got, we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about this week. I can't believe we haven't touched on the fact that we were victims of cyberbullying at the do we were at the hands of a 14 year old I don't know how to put this into words I know we're gonna try really hard to not give too much away here because we definitely don't want to in return to our cyberbullying that we experience we don't want to do that back to this person allegedly they are a minor they claim to be 14 years old I I mean there's no way to confirm that on the internet it could be like you know, a 55-year-old man who's just, like, bullying women on the internet. Who knows? But especially if it actually is a 14-year-old, we're not trying to, like, do anything negative to that person. But it is really entertaining, so we're going to talk about it. it. It was 
upsetting. <laughs> it was just jolting, jarring. I posted this TikTok just saying I don't like Lord's song Solar Power months ago. So long ago. Yeah, like I, I'm not alone in this. And I don't really know how TikTok works other than scrolling, but I noticed under my original sound, someone made their own video saying, no one wants to hear your opinion, straight white woman. So I commented, I've dated women for seven years. I'm not entirely straight or something like that. Just being like, just being like, nice try. Like you tried to like insult me and also you're wrong. And I, yeah, I added Lord to my knowledge is a straight white woman. Why are we crucifying these qualities? I do a lot for our, my community and for human rights. So shut up. <laughs> so I don't know. And then it just escalated. And then Katie, because she is a good friend and does love me, came to my defense. And then <laughs> the alleged child started stalking our Instagrams and calling us like elderly and chuggy and choosing photos from a 2015 Renaissance festival saying flower crowns are chuggy and so are we. And I was just like, and she turned off the comments. So I couldn't even defend myself and say this is from (laughs) 2015. This actually wasn't style. And let's say, let's take the year out of it. It's the Renaissance fest. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, that is... One of the nerdiest things that we do, but whatever, I will own it. I like them. I will continue to go to the Renaissance Fair every year and enjoy it. <laughs> I will I will say one of the – so she would post a picture of me and Katie, and then she would post a picture of only me, and she compared me to Lana. And you know what? I took it as a compliment. What did she say about Lana? She definitely said the word chuggy, but the rest was comparing me to Lana. And I was like, you know what? I'll take it. That was kind of my goal. That's still my goal to this day. But it just escalated so quickly and it was hilarious. And, you know, I mean, that 14 year old had the time that day. (laughs) She made like four videos about us. Most 14 year olds do. But as someone who hates straight white women, and who was a social justice warrior defending Lord, kind of ageist on their part. Extremely ageist. She did, didn't she call us like 50? She said, she called you an old hag. (laughs) (laughs) And she asked if I was, I think, 40? And I said, I'm 55. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that was it. She called us old hags, and then you said you were 55. She, She said, wow, you, you, uh incorporated another old hag or something I don't know I don't know kind (laughs) like very ageist but yeah you know our fair share of cyberbullying it was entertaining though I had I had yeah and then after that all of a sudden our ratings go down she was Mm -hmm. taking the pictures from the pod Instagram which I know and she also it's because both of us are private and this is why (laughs) this is why I'm protecting ourselves against mean children Mm -hmm. scary this is why I would never be a teacher for anyone under 18. It's scary. Yeah. So that was our um, most recent instance of cyberbullying. Um, <laughs> and I feel like she's probably the one who gave us a one-star review after that, which is, you know, she's entitled to her opinion and that's all right. She didn't listen to the pod. It's just very coincidental. If she went through the links to make TikToks involving pictures she screenshotted, screenshot and cropped, 
<laughs> and added music and words and illustration, all this stuff. I guarantee you she clicked one star on our ratings. But you know what? For sure. Like, TikTok is hard. That shit takes time. It's a lot of extra work. Chaz is trying to get me to move my red carpet reviews over to TikTok. I think they're so funny. I, I'm funny with them too. I'll reply to Katie's story. I made you laugh. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I get a lot of great responses now because I've been doing this for a while and I think people come to expect it from me. But I get so many good responses from people about my red carpet reviews. I was actually thinking maybe I'll start doing like a weekly wrap up of like what celebs wore and like what I think about it. But like not normal shit, not like, oh, she wore an oversized blazer and a baseball cap. This is cool. Like, no, like the weird shit. I would enjoy it. My contribution was that I said Billie Eilish looked like she tried on every article of clothing from the UNIF clearance. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it was accurate. Also, I love UNIF. We've talked about UNIF. Oh, speaking of Chugi, that used to be one of my favorite brands. But anyway, TikTok, scary place. Yeah, scary place. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll put the work in. We'll see. We'll see if I have the time. Also, I, I'm now afraid of this 14-year-old, so. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I tried to make a TikTok of my – I did my pole dancing class. It was phenomenal. I now I'm obsessed. I tried to make a TikTok. I still – I don't understand. I don't understand, so I made a reel. And that's – I'm 30. I make reels. That's what we do I don't know 30. how reels work, but, like, I, I have no idea how they work. TikTok is easier to me than reels. It's all kind of confusing, but anyway, moving, moving along, anyway, moving, moving on other things you don't understand. We're just going to go down the list right now. Okay. You put, I don't understand how reality TV pans to interviews as if it's happening in real time. Yeah. This is something I've been thinking about way too much lately. So when you're watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians or Real Housewives or any reality show and they pan to like on 90 Day Fiance. They'll be the couple will be fighting in their kitchen, and then they pan to them fully dressed in the same outfit they've been wearing throughout multiple episodes in each interview, crying, having the fight all over again. I'm like, this fight happened three weeks ago, and you're wearing the same thing when you were crying about another fight that happened two weeks ago, and you're talking in the present moment in the present tense as if you're in the middle of like you stopped the fight to change clothes and say, "This is what's going on right now." Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I know a little bit about it because of my obsession with reality TV and specifically The Bachelor. And I listen to this podcast. It's called Game of Roses. We love them. Um, definitely listen to them. If you watch The Bachelor, it will change everything for you. But they talk a lot about the mechanics in the back end of reality TV. And those like interviews, they have a specific name. They're called an ITM, which stands for In the Moment. And they don't happen in the moment, but the producers and the editors insert them as though they're happening in the moment. So that's where the name comes from. And what they do, it's usually at the end of the day of filming or sometimes the next day, but the producers will make you change back into whatever you were wearing during that specific scene. So you have to wear the same outfit and then they will ask you questions. And I think the people are coached as though to like to speak as though it's like happening right now so the producer will ask them a question and they'll be like how did you feel when like xyz said this to you and the person has to respond as though it's happening right now okay this explains a lot that's it yeah. it was just plaguing me because 
<laughs> it's, I was like, either these people are – they deserve Emmys or whatever the actor awards are or – you know, this is the fakest shit ever. Like it's just to be able to cry on command and put yourself back in the scene that happened a month ago. I was like, this is phenomenal work. Well, so a lot of times the producers will talk to them about things that are completely unrelated in order to get tears out of them. And then they'll start asking the questions. So they might be like, oh, I heard your dog died, blah, blah, blah. Like, tell me about it. Or like, tell me about something really sad. Like, they'll just like ask questions or like poke at what they know is their insecurity. So if the problem's like with their husband, they'll be like, oh my God, your husband, like he really like seems like things aren't going well or whatever. And they'll get them in this heightened emotional state. And then they'll start asking questions about the fight or about the scene or whatever was happening. They need to get the emotion first and then they'll get the information. That's so such an emotional toll it must take. Producers are, I think, evil people, sadistic people. The fact that that is, they get paid to just emotionally manipulate the shit out of people on TV. It's crazy. I feel a little bad because recently I shit on reality TV stars to someone who's a former one. Oops. Oh, this was right after you left Soho Grand. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, I was you know, a million espresso martinis and feeling bold as usual. And I was on a date with a guy who I had first noticed on a dating show and DM'd two years ago because I thought he was really hot. And then he DM'd back, whatever. We met up, went on a date, really nice guy, very fun time. But my friend who is also an actor was with me and I was sitting between the date and my friend and I was trying to make nice conversation and I suppose I, I ended up telling the ex-reality TV star, yeah, my friend over here who is an actual working actor said, once you're an actor who does reality TV, you basically failed in your career. <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, I'm still trying. I'm still, I'm in realist. And I was like, oh my God, that's so rude, but not wrong. Not wrong. But also, I don't know. Reality TV, a lot of us watch way more of it than we do scripted tv i love 90 day fiance more than any other show almost that's what i'm saying reality tv is my preference most of the time i love reality tv yeah i wish this was a 90 day fiance recap pod to be honest i just need like-minded people to engage with me i don't watch it i've just never been able to get into it while you pick a topic i would just like to say how much joy i feel that we are entering fall. I know everyone always says, fall is my favorite, blah, blah, blah. We're all tired of hearing it, pumpkin spice, whatever. But I'm just really happy every day now that it's crispy, sunny, breezy weather. That's it. Same. It was so nice to be in New York <laughs> during like the first week when it was kind of cool in the mornings. That was so nice. And now I'm back in Texas where it's 90 degrees every day. But I actually just came back before this. I was at Home Goods and I got some like fall soap for like hand soap for the sink. And I got pumpkin coffee flavor. And I'm very excited for it to be fall as well. I like to get perishable fall decor. So I only get the little white pumpkins at Trader Joe's and I cover my apartment in it since it's mainly white. And then I throw it away so I don't have to store it. Mm -hmm. They last until after like Christmas, literally. They, they don't go bad. I don't know how. I love those little white pumpkins. They're so cute. I also do that. I don't really have fall decor necessarily, but I do like a fall soap. I wish we could visit each other and just carve a pot. It's better in theory. We would hate it. 
I love carving pumpkins. I do it most years. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along, Britney Spears. I Did you see the poll I posted to our Instagram? Yeah, what are the um, results? So I posted a poll saying, is Sam sus? That's like yeah. a tongue twister. Obviously. Yeah, I think it's, I just don't, you know, your gut. I've never been wrong. We we know something's up. We da- Okay, here's the update for anyone who's living under a rock and somehow hasn't seen this yet. Britney Spears posted an engagement post with Sam, her boyfriend, Sam Asghari, her boyfriend. And she's got this massive ring on her finger. Uh, we must absolutely discuss her manicure because it's so funny. And I love her so much for it. It is classic Britney Spears. It's a French manicure with red tips, not white tips. So she did take our advice from whatever episode that was where we talked about that. Um, so red tips on the French manicure, just classic Britney. You know she loves her red. And one of the nails is completely broken off. <laughs> and the others are just like the tackiest French manicure you've ever seen in your life. I respect a celebrity who doesn't have a perfect manicure in their engagement post. I actually really, really loved it. And I thought it was so funny. You know, we love the word unhinged and I'm not going to lie. Look, I'm glad her dad stepped down. I'm glad she's getting her freedom, but I'm a little concerned she's going this one extreme to the other and she doesn't have protective measures in place. But you know what? We'll see. We'll watch it unfold. But if all goes to shit, you heard it here first. I mean, I've been saying since we did that episode, I believe that Sam is on Jamie's payroll. You were the ones who originally- absolutely being paid by her team. And I don't think that she should trust him. Why? Like you brought attention to it before. You said, why would she not be allowed to hang out with people platonically, yet this man somehow can be her romantic interest in travel and all that if he's not a hired, paid companion? Right. Allegedly. I don't know. It makes me sad to think about because I would hate to think that anyone's going to just like, you know, deceive her. We love Brit. We don't want this for her. You know, sometimes the most the purest people are just the ones that are taken advantage of, but we will yeah. see. I think we will see very, very quickly, though, if we were all wrong and Jamie Spears was genuinely protecting her for something like horrible. I think we're going to figure that out pretty quickly. I predict she will be pregnant. Yeah. Brittany will be pregnant before age 43 with Sam. You heard, you heard that here first as well. A medical miracle if it does happen. Not really. In vitro nowadays, I've been following a lot of pregnancy diaries because there's a lot of vloggers I started following like five, ten years ago who are now all having kids like Zoella. Oh my God, same. And I'm, I'm, part of me is like, am I jealous? And part of me is like, I'm annoyed. <laughs> I get my fix by watching them live. Do I want it for myself? Fuck no. But Zoella's pregnant. Taylor R. She's like a Hong Kong vlogger. She's... She's on a pregnancy journey of in vitro, and she's walking us through the scientific um, medical procedures in depth. So I'm learning so much about in vitro. Um, I actually, I've known people personally who've done it or doing it, whatever, but it is so time-consuming, draining, just takes such a toll. There comes a point where I always wonder... When do you give up and decide to adopt? But you know what? That's not my place because I have no interest in either as of now. But I always do wonder, like, when when do you just decide, you know what? I'm spending all this time and money 
it doesn't seem that meant to be. Why don't I adopt? But anyway, just a thought. I think both are very expensive, if I have heard correctly. Because, I mean, I'm around a lot of gay couples in what I do for a living. And, you know, the conversation is always surrogacy or adoption. I've known soul cycle instructors who have done both. And I actually really love this one soul cycle instructor. He has designer test tube babies. He and his husband decided to have twins via surrogate and they each put in a sperm. So they have one that's biologically one and one that's biologically the other. And they have like biological babies that are theirs, but it's very, very expensive. I think adoption is a less expensive option, but it's still either way. They're both crazy expensive. Yeah. So I don't know when that point is that you go from one to the other, especially if you're a woman and you can have children biologically. I'm sure that that's a really tough decision to make, but who knows? I don't know. I've been studying child welfare and it's insane that it's so difficult to adopt when there's so many kids who are in the worst situations. You would think they would make it a little bit more accessible. Just even if they have an average life, they don't need the best of the best. They just need the bare minimum. They need basic human rights. And they, I don't know. Anyway, that, I don't know how we got on this tangent. I think, I think Sam is evil. Anyway, that's our update on Brittany. Yeah. We needed to (laughs) say it. Moving right along. Yes. Okay. I have something that I want to talk about. Okay. I heard about this this week and then I researched it some and I'm going to conduct an experiment on you. Okay. Close your eyes. Can you picture a purple Purple apple? Apple. Yes. I've been trying to picture one because I saw this. I saw the same thing and I think that I can. Can you like see, can you see it in your mind? Like, do you see an image in your mind when you picture things or do you just kind of like feel the feeling of the thing? I don't know. This is when I get so deep in my thoughts. I I think I see it. It's apparently like a huge thing. Like there's a spectrum of how people imagine things and imagination and how that works. And there are some people who can see it super, super clearly, like a purple apple, a thing that doesn't exist, like a thing that they've never really thought about before. And they can really picture it super clearly in their mind's eye. And then there, there's like a spectrum. There's some people who can see it, but it's like kind of like a cartoon, like a drawing of it. And then there's other people who just like can see like, you know, they conceptualize it, but they don't see it. And that they like really like can't even imagine what the other person experiences. Like I'm, I'm a person who I can see it in my mind. Like I really clearly can see the purple apple before I ever like saw a photo of one. I can picture things in my head. And I think most of my thoughts do come that way rather than me like thinking words in my head and like having an inner monologue. I think I mostly see images. I mean, I've always considered myself an, a visual learner, but not – I don't know. It's so weird. I'll try to picture what I look like and I absolutely cannot in my mind. I feel like this is also part of my reverse body dysmorphia. In my mind, I like look like the best version of myself. (laughs) I cannot picture what I look like at all. It's insane. I can't picture what people I date look like. I can't... (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I can't picture the apple. I feel like I. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's but I but also I have body dysmorphia, so it's. I don't know if it has anything to do with how you learn either. Like you know, just because you can't like picture things on your own doesn't mean you can't see things and understand them. 
I can picture inanimate objects. I can picture animals, but human faces I struggle with. Oh, that's a thing. There's definitely a name for that. Yeah, I think with facial recognition, I think it's like your Wernicke's area. I don't know. I used to know all this when I was an undergrad, but there is a part of your brain in charge of facial recognition, and mine is definitely weak or underdeveloped or damaged. It's it's. We've talked about how bad I am at, at that, but yeah. Yeah, but I did see that. So... I don't know that I just like, I find this completely fascinating. When you dream, do you dream in pictures then? Or do you dream in just feelings? I always thought, cause I'll tell you, I had the most vivid dream. It felt like a memory, but a lot of it is, it is feelings. And then when you, when you're just by yourself and you're at home and you are thinking about things, do you think in like words and sentences? Like if you're sitting on your couch and like the thought occurs to you of like, I should make coffee or like I should X, Y, Z or whatever it is, like a thought that you have to yourself. Do you know if you think in like words? I don't think I think. (laughs) Yeah, same. I'm just now realizing I think my mind is mostly blank until something touches me. (laughs) It's like a baby. Like, yeah, no I, object permanence, nothing. <laughs> no object permanence. If something's dangling in front of me, I'll notice it and be stimulated. And then once it disappears, I'm back to just staring blankly. <laughs> just mouth breathing. Yeah. So I genuinely cannot answer. I think that I think in pictures, but now I'm going to try to pay more attention and This is now just kind of breaking my brain because I'm just going to be conscious of the thoughts that I'm having and I think it's going to fuck me up. So we'll see what happens. I often, especially when I'm hungover, become conscious of my breathing and I manually breathe and I'll freak myself out because I'll remind myself you're auditory or your nervous, whatever the fuck you breathe with your respiratory system. What if it just disconnects from your nervous system or like what if you just stop? What if you go to sleep and you stop manually breathing and I'll stop breathing and gasp? Yeah. That used to happen to me when I was younger all the time. It happens way less now. Scary. Everything's scary. When you were uh, – this happened to me all the time as a kid too. When I was a kid, I would lay in my bed at night and my eyes would be closed and I would convince myself that my bed was like facing the opposite direction than it was. Like I could just it – was, it was like a weird perception thing that I've always been able to do is just like in my mind's eye completely like switch the perception of where I know that I am. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? Is that normal? When I was a kid, I would stare at the corner of the ceiling and see this makes me sound like something's wrong with me. But I used to see black shadows move. It would start in the right if I remember correctly, of course, it would st- it would start in one corner. Thought it was usually the right hand corner, and it would move around my bedroom, and I was comforted by it, and I would go back to sleep. But I would also pretend that I was in laying in someone's hands, and that would make me go to sleep. That's really interesting. It's weird. I've never once thought of that. Sometimes I still do the hand thing. I have not seen the black shadow since I was like single digits. That I would shit myself. <laughs> it wouldn't be comforting anymore. Absolutely not. Like I think back because it was such a consistent thing. I'm like, did that even really happen? Was I asleep? Was it a night terror? But it was like a nightly occurrence, like three nights a week. I don't know, like ha- pretty often. 
I mean, you lived in Louisiana, the deep South. Maybe your house was on it. There were so many dead bodies in my house from all of my deceased relatives' ashes and all the dead guinea pigs. Like there there's would have been ample amounts of opportunities for a spirit to be floating around the bedroom. I think that's probably what it was, if I had to guess. A herd of dead guinea pigs haunting me. Protecting me. I can't wait to do our Halloween episode. I know. I'm so excited for a Halloween episode too. It's going to be so good. The fact that it's almost October, I am just quivering. I know. Same. I love October. Um, Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. How do you sit on someone's face is what you wrote on this note. What? How do you? I am thinking back to all of my sexual experiences. I don't think I've ever sat on anyone's face. I've tried 69ing. You've never sat on someone's face, really? I think I've hovered a little bit, but I don't think I've ever done it long enough for it to count. And I never fully sat. Are you supposed to actually sit? No. You would suffocate them. On TikTok, they said you're supposed to sit. Okay. I've seen that TikTok, and I think that man is fucking with you. Because he's like, what are you doing in a chair? You sit. And he like slams his ass down. That's not what you do. Imagine if we didn't have this conversation and I hooked up with someone and fully sat on their like jugular vein. Erotic asphyxiation. I don't know though, because I feel like a lot of girls out there do fully sit. I mean, you definitely, okay, I have done this. Several okay. times, many a time. Okay. Men love it, first of all. So don't ever be self-conscious if you do find yourself in the position of sitting on someone's face. It's it, it's kind of fun. It's fine. It's not – to me, it doesn't feel like the best. and It's fun. It's like a different way to switch things up and, you know, they like it and that's really what matters to me at least. Like also fairly submissive and my partner's pleasure is important to me. That's what turns me on. So if my man is enjoying it – I will be very happy. So you're usually like one knee on either side of his face. And usually for me, usually this happens on the couch or on the bed when I'm like close to the headboard. So you'll be facing, imagine me flipped around right now, facing the back of the couch. So your clit is facing his nose. Yes. Your asshole is not on his nose. No, but like I've done it that way too. It works both ways and it just kind of depends on what your man is into. Like if they like to eat your ass, then they can kind of go back and forth. But they could, I'd rather my ass be eaten with the asshole furthest away. Like I don't want my ass in the line side of their nostrils or eyeballs. Like I just feel, you know, it's it's really up to the man. He can choose what he wants his sight line to be and I'm not bothered either way. But most of the time your clit is toward their nose you it's kind of nice because you can set the pace and you can also decide what part of you that they are licking or like working on with their mouth because you can kind of move back and forth over their face to like do whatever you want so definitely like a solid amount of your weight is on them but usually they're like holding your hips too and helping you move and helping you set a tempo, set a rhythm. So they can also like, if you're too heavy or something, or you're like getting too into it and they can't breathe, they can push up on you a little bit to help hold your weight. I'm just thinking of those weird, I don't mean to say weird. I'm just thinking of those. Oh, like a chin dildo. Yeah. Yeah. Those are real. How do you concentrate with that? I would just keep laughing. I mean, I don't, 
ever want a chin dildo inside of me but like maybe if that was your thing I don't know I'll never forget the time my mom found me and my ex-girlfriend's strap on I never used it she would use it on me because you know I missed men but I'm just imagining if your parent were to find a chin strap on I I was humiliated I can't I don't know (laughs) I don't know I, yeah, I'm trying to think of all the instances that I might have sat on someone's head. I just think as soon as I'm up there, I'm thrown around. So I don't last up there long. I just – I don't want to focus on being upright. I'm a, I am ai have hardcore pillow princess energy. I like to switch it up, but at the end of the day, my preference is on my back. You get a good view of the face, the tits, my best assets in my opinion. I'm the most confident. I'm relaxed. My body is relaxed. I had someone motorboat my clit once and it was so unnerving. That is alarming. I don't know. I don't know why anyone would do that. You like <laughs> made the noise and everything. Ooh, that seems like too much. That's my other question is, is that a thing that I'm being prude about? Motorboating your clit? Motorboating the clit. Probably. I don't know. I'm sure some people like it, but that would I be didn't. too much for me, I think. I didn't. I like to be on top. I don't mind sitting on someone's face if that's like what is making them happy in the moment. Like I said, I'm happy to do it. It's not really going to do that much for me, but it's fun for a minute. You know, why not? It's fun to switch it up, I suppose. I mean, I know there are smothering fetishes out there, which is very intriguing. Yeah, that's like, like I said, erotic asphyxiation is a thing where people like to pass out or like come close to it when they're having sex. Mm. I've never, like, played around with that. My next hookup, I'm just going to Batista bomb their face with my ass. Wait, what? Batista bomb. I used to be a big WWE fan, and it's it's just a very specific type of body slam. Do you, like, sit on someone's face? Well, you could... You could cater it to that. Anyway, I'm not going to be sitting. I don't want to sit on anyone's face. Please, Batista bomb and let me know how it goes. Yeah, I wish you were present for my WWE Raw phase. My detective best friend was. She knows. I know. I wish I had met her. Sad. Oh, update. I am going to New Orleans in middle of October, and I'm going to LA end of October, beginning of November for a Slipknot concert. (laughs) I'm a maggot. You would. Can't wait to hear that story. I hope you fight someone else at the concert. I've also decided I'm, I want to – what are you going to be for Halloween? I don't know yet, to be honest. We have – so we've decided that we're going to dress up every day of the month at the studio. Oh, and we that. came up with our list of things that we're going to be – they're pretty basic, like things you don't really need to like go out and buy things for. But that's going to be really fun. So we'll, I'll be dressing up as something every day in October. <laughs> I bought Maleficent horns and Mm -hmm. a black feather cape. I think I just want to be like a witch again of sorts, but with horns. I had horns last year for this like Halloween ball thing I went to and I made them myself. They turned out so fucking cool. Those things are sick. I was really proud of them and I still have them. Wait, you you were kind of like a sleeping beauty thing yeah it was I mean I wasn't like the color scheme was different but yeah I was it was like a weird like mythology ball and so I decided to be Aries 
which is like the ram from the Zodiac. So I had ram horns that I thought were really cool. We know I love my fair share of of Aries. Mm-hmm. Don't we all? Uh, we have a please stop this week. And then we also have a please start. So where do you want to begin here? Let's start with the stop. Start with the stop. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Please stop asking what tattoos mean. It's so invasive and aggravating. I've explained my tattoos to so many people. It's at the point where I've, I've begun saying, I don't want to talk about it. Because first of all, most of them I don't like and I'm getting removed. Second of all, if it does actually have a meaning and isn't just aesthetics, it's personal. It's just just chill out with that. I don't mind when people ask me what my tattoo means. They really only ever ask about one tattoo, what it means. It's the one on my wrist. Yeah, I just have too many to ask about, and one of them I can't even see, so I don't even remember what Roman numerals are on there or why. And the other ones is like, oh, my dad's dead, and I'm into daddy dom stuff. Like, what do you want me to say about my wrist tattoos that say daddy's girl without being extremely uncomfortable? Like, you're also kind of protecting them in that situation because what do you say to that? Right. I'm like, what? First of all, the tattoo is daddy girl. This can only go two ways death or sexual fetishes. And it kind of goes in both directions simultaneously. And I don't want to even go there. I'm getting them removed. Yes, I like calling people daddy. No, I don't have daddy issues anymore. Yes, I have a dead dad. And like, I'm I'm tired of it defining me. So we're, we're getting them removed, but it's a long journey. So just stop asking me. Stop asking Chaz about hers. I don't mind when people ask me about mine. Because then I get to ask them what they think it is, and they're always wrong. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. my sh- my Well, my collarbone one's always and forever. I'm just tired of being like, my mom tell each other, I love you always and forever. Now, I'm so tired of telling that story. And then they always say, that's so sweet. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, what? Okay. It's like the same song and dance. Just Are you getting that one removed too? No, because Mary Lou has them tattooed. She has always and forever tattooed on her hands. Mm-hmm. So I feel closer to her for it because we got them together. I will always keep that. Whereas daddy's girl, my dad hated tattoos. He was deceased when I got them and they are over-sexualized. So. so please stop asking what people's tattoos mean. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to do please start. Okay. And we were talking about this last night and decided to save it for the pod. So we're going to have a discussion here. Please start, if you are going through your man's phone, which (laughs) it's not, please start going through your man's phone. But if you find yourself in a situation where you are going through your man's phone, please start searching your own name in their text messages. You can do this on an iPhone. You can do it on an Android. Most phones have this feature where you can search your text. So if you're looking for something specific, like someone's address or... I don't know, like a specific thing that you're looking for. You can just search a word up in the top search bar at the top of the text screen that shows all of your text message threads. Usually there's a search bar. Type in your name and see what they're saying about you. Because I think a lot of times people just go straight to like looking through their texts with like their friends or whatever girl they're trying to catch them talking to. Like, I also want to know, like, what is he saying about me behind my back? You know, I can proudly or naively say, I don't know how to feel about this, but I've never gone through anyone's phone that I was dating to my knowledge. But you know, the older I get, the more I realize sometimes 
it is warranted if your gut is screaming at you and you really, your guy's not on social media, you are limited on your answers and he's very secretive and sketchy. You know what? Do what you have to do to protect yourself and to not waste your time on them. Innocently go through their phone if you really are feeling the dire need to. I think if it gets to that point, you probably should just break up. But things are easier said than done. And sometimes people need that hard, concrete evidence in order to get the strength to actually leave someone. So I commend it to an extent. And look, I'm not over here saying like, go through your man's phone. Like, absolutely not. That definitely like it is a breach of trust. However, I'm also in the camp of say you go through the phone and you find nothing. Then you fucked up. That is not forgivable at that point. Like, that's like, you know, you didn't trust your man and you should have. However, if you go through the phone and you do find something retroactively that then like negates going through the phone being a bad thing. Cause like, right. That was just you listening to your intuition. Yeah. And you have, you have every right. Is it a double standard? Probably of some sort. Do I care? No. Right. If the tables were turned, they'd be doing the same thing. Probably word to the wise, search your name. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you just happen to be there anyway, you might as well find out what he's saying about you. Helpful. That was our please stop. That was our please start. Uh, That's, I believe, all we have time for today. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? No. Great. I'm, well, I, I am, I'm about to go connect with a family member. I'm not, I don't associate with my biological family, like besides my mom and my one male cousin. But there's this family member who is like really cool, fun, pretty, socially adapted, like someone who I've always kind of been intrigued by and she's in town. So we're going to go hang out for like the first time ever. It's a little intimidating, but I'm excited. That's it. I don't know. I'll report back. Yeah. Can't wait to hear about it. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Please stop. 